Thank you, worship team. Um, you may be seated. And just before the kids are dismissed, wanna, I forgot an announcement. And that was that the car wash yesterday raised $755. So praise the Lord. Thank you for all of you who participated in that, for the young people who worked so hard in that. And uh, pray for them as they are preparing um, to, to head over to Uganda and that God would be preparing their hearts and providing their needs as they look forward and anticipate that. This morning, we're going to pick up in Colossians chapter 3. And folks, I just am so grateful um, to have been uh, able to go through this with you, to study this, to... God has been teaching me so much. Um, I just, this has just been a tremendous book to um, journey through together with you. Let's uh, start by reading Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, and then we'll read all the way through to chapter 4, verse 1. The reason I'm starting at verse 1 again is so that our minds are reinforced in the context. This is so important, such an important flow. It, it, it almost breaks it up too much to go Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, but you would still be sitting here for a whole week, so um, we have to do this. But um, let's get our, engage our minds and our hearts in uh, the text this morning. Chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you acknowledging our need this morning. Our, my need to, uh, because I just... I love learning your word and, and the equipping that your word gives us. But I acknowledge, first off, I fall short. And I, uh, I've stumbled even this week. And uh, so, Lord, I ask for your forgiveness, for your help, for your cleansing. And now, as we look at this text, Lord, would you guide us? Would you help us to see you? and see how we can fulfill what you call us to do so that others will see you. Heavenly Father, we are so encouraged this morning to have Merv uh, with us, and, and we pray that you continue to strengthen him and give him health. And, and Lord, just uh, give them peace as they're still waiting the uh, pathology reports. And... Uh, Lord, we thank you that Lee is here. Again, we pray that you would uphold Lee and Lori and give them strength and, and uh, just sustain them, Lord. Give them joy and uh, meet their needs. Lord, as Mike is preparing to go into surgery, we pray that you would uphold him. Lord, give the doctors um, help and uh, may he heal quickly. And, and Lord, just all the things that is are going on in his life. Help prepare him and equip him. Lord, we pray for our pastor Jeremy and his family. And Lord, we again acknowledge your grace in uh, giving this time um, to pastor and his family to be have this break in their ministry. To Lord, we pray for your refreshment, your renewal in them, and that you would prepare them for the ministry that you have for them when they return. Lord, we pray that all of us would be quick to um, come alongside them and, and make their ministry a joy as we uh, are convicted of 
the work that you are doing in us. And Lord, make us willing participants in that work. That your name would be known throughout the earth. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Well, how did your week go? I um, prayed in my confession that uh, I uh, stumbled. And uh, I realized a, a, a circumstance where I saw myself as king and I was wanting my just reward. <laughs> so, what are some of the things? How, how did you do? Did you, uh, I hope that you didn't get discouraged. Um, as we discovered last week that Jesus is on the throne. We've been learning that. Christ is on the throne. He is God of all. And in our relationships, as we're discovering here, um, the, the, the command, the call was to put on. And we have this whole list of things. And though that list of things, are, they're relational, and they describe a person. And that person is Christ. So we are to put on Christ. But some things sometimes get in the way. Uh, some of the things, uh, just as I confessed this morning, uh, failure can cause us to fear um, to proceed in God's agenda. We saw God's agenda was in verse 10. Look at what is God's agenda? That we put on the new self, that we put on Him, and we be renewed in knowledge after the image of our Creator. That is God's agenda. But we can become discouraged when we see failure in our lives, can't we? And that can be paralyzing. Also, we can be paralyzed by fear in the fact that we don't know what God's going to ask us to do. Right? We can be fearful. We don't know the future. We don't know what we're gonna, what he might ask us to give up. That's one of our things, isn't it? Um, that promotes fear. What is God gonna ask of me? Um, <laughs> Kathy, if I can share this, we were having this conversation. Um, she acknowledged to me, and I acknowledged to her that before we were married, we would pray, "God, don't come yet. <laughs> I want to get married." And then we pray, God, don't come yet. Christ, wait. I want to have a kid. I want to have children. It, all those things can't... You understand our hearts, right? It, perhaps your heart is that way too. Um, where we aren't sure what God is going to ask of us. And would we be able, would we be willing to do what He's asking us? So that can be a fearful thing. But remember, we have to keep coming back to remember that when we are fearful of those things, we aren't on the throne. Christ is. And Christ has an agenda for us. And this is the good that He promises even in Romans 8.28. As Glenn prayed this morning. Verse 29 says, That good 
is that we be conformed to His image. That's the good that God is working in our lives. So let's let Him define the good. Right? So often that's what gets in the way, isn't it? The other thing that can inhibit us from growing in this these areas is amnesia. Amnesia. We forget Jesus is on the throne, I'm not. We forget who we are. We forget we're dead to us in our old lives, our old ambitions. We are to be dead to that. How do you be dead to it when it's such a struggle? That list. That, remember that did you remember that list? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. How we all know those are those are things that are like right crouching at the door, as God said to Cain. That sin that's crouching right at the door. What a word picture, isn't it? And we all know the fight, the battle of that. How do we put it to death? My grade two teacher read to us a little book called Palace Beautiful by Albert Sims. I still remember it vividly. Now, this is, if you've got anybody is, is, is an education major, you know that reading allegories to kids that old is taboo. You don't do it. Because they can't understand, right? Well, we understood. This, is, this little booklet is an allegory of Palace Beautiful, a man's life, and he is warned about the black dwarf. But he ends up inviting the black dwarf in because he's hungry and he's pathetic looking, and he feeds the black dwarf. The black dwarf becomes very strong, gripping this man's life and takes over, bars up the windows, doesn't let the light in, the gardens go to waste. He f- this man, Palace Beautiful, finally learns the secret of overcoming the black dwarf. It's by starving him. By starving him. I tell you that little story as an illustration. How do we put to death these things that are crouching at the door? By starving them. We don't feed them. We don't entertain them. They are no longer part of our life. So we need to, um, we have a new life. That life is Christ, is hidden in Christ on high. Jesus is king. Then we, Jesus is, all these items that are described here in, in chapter 3, that we are to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, um, forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven us, and, lo- and put on love. Perfect description of Christ Himself. We are to put Him on. We are to clothe ourselves with Him, His character, His life. And this is so important to moving into our text this morning because if we don't understand that, we're going to see all these lists of things that we're supposed to do. And we're going to think, oh, 
I got to do that. And check that one off, and check that one off. But no. Remember, we can only, we can't, we can't, we can do, we can perform behavioral change. But it's got to come from the heart, and only God can change our heart. We can't change others, but we have this relationship constantly with others. In fact, that is God's purpose. God's purpose is to put us in relationship with one another to accomplish His agenda, and that is conforming us to His image. So, how do we look at these things? This list that is well known, that you know very well. We must look at them as God's transforming work. And it needs to be in our hearts. But as we come to that, I want you to follow along with me with this story because it's so important to remember what Christ has done. Luke 7.36, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house, reclined at table, and behold, a woman of the city who is a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. And when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet would have known who and what sort of woman this is and who is touching him for she's a sinner and Jesus answering said to him Simon I have something to say to you and he answered say it teacher a certain money lender had two debtors one owed 500 denarii and the other 50 When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? 
And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. You see, we have to remember how much we have been forgiven. Because when we acknowledge that we have offended an almighty, holy, perfect, righteous God, we have offended Him ultimately because we have sinned. When we come to that realization, that understanding of what great sin we have committed against God, How much He has forgiven us. We will love Him much. We will love Him with a great love. You see, when we think, oh, you know, I was, I was just three years old. I, couldn't, I wasn't that bad. And I heard the Gospel and I came to Christ and God's done this marvelous work in my life, which He has. But I thank God for my mom who told me what I was like at three years old. When she would share with me the gospel and I would tell her when she asked me if I wanted to be saved, I would say, no! I want to go to hell. Now does a three-year-old know what he's saying? I was telling her what was in my heart. My heart was rebellious. I offended ultimately Almighty God and I deserved hell. I deserved His eternal wrath and punishment. Did I understand at three years old what it means to follow Christ? No. In fact, when I was eight, I didn't remember what took place at three, and I was given the opportunity to come to Christ, and I went forward, but I di again, I didn't know what I was doing. It wasn't until years later where God began, well, God had been working in my heart, but He graciously was drawing me to Himself and impressing upon me the work that He needed to do in my heart and life, the repentance that needed to come forth from my heart and my life, my confession that needed to be proclaimed from my lips. You see, when we are in relationship with one another, it's so easy to look at one another and go, you know, the old spiky elbow, you need to hear that. Wish that person was here. Right? We all do it. We build up this pedestal, of this crumbling pedestal of self-righteousness. This false pedestal. And we exalt ourselves. We think we can save people. We think if, you know, if they would just listen to me, if they would just change, their life would be so much better. The news, folks, is that you're not the Savior. but you have a job to do. 
You have a job, and that job is to be in, an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Your job is to point people to Christ. When you see sin in someone's life, when you see shortcomings or troubles, point them to Jesus. That's your great joy and opportunity. You're not there. God didn't put you in their life to change them. You can't change them. Only God, by His grace, can change a person's heart. Only God can. But you can point them to Him. That's our calling. So as we come this morning, remember who you are. Remember who you were. And what God has done in your life in bringing transformation to you. Do you believe in redemption? In transformation? Do you believe that? Do you? Well, especially if it's me, for me, right? But do you believe it for others? Do you believe this, this prostitute? God could change her? Do you believe that homosexuals can be saved and transformed? Do you believe that? Not by you. Not by me. By Jesus. Our job is to point others to Christ. Not to change them. We can't change them. And the more we try, the more frustrated we will be, the more frustrated they will be until they can figure out how to get you off their back and just conform. <laughs> and that brings no heart change, does it? It might bring a satisfaction, a smile to your lips, but it, it won't bring them the ability to stand before a holy God and be judged. So our job is to point others to Christ. Remember who you are. Remember how you were saved. How were you saved? Was it by what you did? By what, was it by changing, up, changing your act? No. It was by believing in Christ. In Romans chapter 4, we are told about Abraham. And Abraham, it says, verse 22, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteous. But the word it was counted to him was, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see, when we understand that it was God who saved us. It was Christ Jesus who paid for our sins on our behalf. Nothing I did except to trust Him 
Remember the illustration last week? Get in the wheelbarrow with the guy on the tightrope, Charles Blondin. Get in the wheelbarrow. Trust. Trust me. You see, when we are trusting Him, we're not looking horizontally for our peace and satisfaction. In fact, we should be at the position where we don't care. I don't care where, what you think of me. It's more important what God thinks. My vertical relationship must be first and primary. When we sin, where do we go? We need to go to Him. We need to be washed by Him. Cleansed by Him. That's how we keep that relationship right. And that's the primary relationship. On that is the basis that we can have a ministry to which we all are called to one another by pointing you to Jesus. My identity is in Christ. My relationships must be based on the primacy of my vertical relationship with God in Christ as His ambassador in my horizontal relationships, pointing others to Jesus and His transforming grace. I must love you as I have been loved and desire in you my King's agenda for us, Christ-likeness. As we come to our text this morning, this list of commands must not be viewed as a list of behavioral mandates alone. They are gospel manifestation of the invisible King Jesus in our interactions with others. What does that mean? When we, by God's grace, get it? We, we can't do these things. We stumble trying to do these things. So we need continually to confess our shortcomings to the Lord, to draw upon His grace, be willing to not be paralyzed by fear or amnesia, but stepping forward in obedient faith to accomplish what He wants to in us so that we are reflections of Jesus and His character to the world around us in our relationships. So the first category is family. Family. Every re relationship we have must be founded in our relationship with God through Christ. Got it? Every relationship we have must be founded upon our relationship with God through Christ. How can I love my brother? How can I love my children, those around me, my neighbors? How can I love and continue to forgive? Only because I have been loved by God. I have been forgiven by God. Wives, submit. 
I want you to know that this command is not just given to wives. Did you know that? I've gotten in trouble for saying this before. But it's scriptural. Ephesians 5.21, a parallel passage, before he, Paul even starts talking to wives, he gives this command. He says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, men, women, children, everyone here, we are all commanded to submit. Submit to one another. You see, God has put us in relationships. He has ordained a hierarchy in relationships. People who are responsible over others. And we all must submit. And we're all told in every situation that the Scripture tells us to obey, to submit, we're always told, as to the Lord. As to the Lord. Just, I want you to, I'm going to tell you this so that you keep your eyes out for it. We have nine verses to cover this morning. Seven times we're told, to the Lord. To the Lord. So, that's why I titled this message, Living Christ in Our Relationships. Last week was Put on Christ. This week, Living Christ in Our Relationships. So, and verse 20, I want, I want to also point you to Ephesians 5, verse 24. It says, Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to, their, to your husbands. How, what does this look like for a wife to submit? Like the church submits to Christ. Christ is king, right? It's, it's sometimes hard for us to live it, but can we accept that? Can we acknowledge that's the truth? Christ is king. He is in heaven at the Father's right hand. That means he is king. He is on his throne. He is king. The church, what's our, what's our position? We're under his authority. We're under his care. We submit to Him. So wives, submit. Your submitting is a picture, is living a demonstration of our relationship to Christ. 